Hi, welcome everyone who's listening in online today. My name is Ed Travers, a teaching pastor here at LifePoint in Westville. Grateful to have you listening in. If you want to follow along in sermon notes, go to lpguest.com, and that'll take you to our landing page, our online connect card, and in that you can see sermon notes and follow along. There's also a guest information button. If you're listening in for the first time today, maybe hit that guest information button, fill out a little bit of information, let us know you're listening in. Um, just want to say thank you for, for being part of our online uh, service today. So um, I was thinking about things in life that you do where you start them. Maybe uh, they're new to you, a new hobby, a new job, a new workout routine. You start something new, and then you kind of wonder, like, if you're doing it right. You ever do that? I, uh, I remember I started running uh, several years ago. Uh, I was 49 years old, and uh, I was thinking uh, my daughter wanted to run uh, cross country. She was thinking about joining that team. I said, hey, why don't we run together? Now, at the time, we couldn't run around the block, so we had to learn how to run, right? Um, but she decided she was going to play tennis, but I had told her, I said, hey, I'm going to run a 5K when I turn 50. So I had almost a year to figure out how to run three miles, and um, so I started running and, and figuring out, and uh, you know, slowly but surely, I worked my way up to be able to actually finish three miles. Now, I was running slow. Like, I remember one time there was a guy in a walker who passed me up. We had a good conversation while he was passing me. Um, but that said, I had a friend in, you know, in January of that year uh, invite me to run a, an actual race, a 5K race with them. And uh, because I was running with them, I ran a little faster than I typically would run. And I pushed the pace and I ran like a, a nine and a half minute mile uh, you know, pace for, for the 3.1 miles. And I finished, I was so proud of myself. Like, man, I did it. I finished a 5K. I did it in under 10 minutes per mile. Like I just felt so good about myself, right? Well, a few months later, uh, I got to have a conversation with one of my neighbors. Now, my neighbor is the uh, track or one of the track and cross country coaches at Otterbein College. And so, you know, this, this is a professional, right? And I said to this guy, I said, hey, um, you know, you're a professional. This is what you do. Like, I'm a novice, you know, almost 50-year-old runner. What's a good time for a 5K? And I'm thinking, here's a guy that might be able to help me do it better, right? Do it the right way. And he said to me, he goes, I don't know, 24 minutes? Now, I'm thinking... 24 minutes, that's a 7.42 pace. And I'm nowhere close to that. I've never been so disheartened and kind of like challenged all at the same time. Like 7.42, oh my gosh, I'll never make that. So I have a friend who is like super state champion runner. Like he's a multiple state champion in cross country and track, ran in college. He runs marathons, half marathons, 10Ks, 5Ks. He runs the mile. This guy's a runner. And so I called him. I said, hey, how do I improve my time? I'm running, you know, just under 10 minutes per mile now. How do I improve it to get to 742? And he said, Ed, what are you doing? And I told him what I was doing. He goes, don't do that. And he gave me some tips on how to improve my time. And I tell you what, it worked. So I'm improving my time. My last 5K that I ran, uh, so now we're looking, you know, two and a half years or three years into my running uh, hobby, uh, I'm, I ran an 811 5K. So I'm, I'm getting better. Well, then I run into a friend here at church. He runs the Connections team, Ryan Bossler. He and his son, Charlie. Uh, I was talking with them, and Charlie runs cross-country uh, for his eighth-grade high school team, or eighth-grade middle school team. And I said, hey, Charlie, what's your time, you know, per mile? And he, he's running like a 6'10". Again, uh, I'm not sure I'm doing this right, you know? I, I think that's funny. We're in this series we're calling Labels. We're looking at the gospel of Luke, and Luke, in his gospel, uh, really highlights some interactions that Jesus had with people who are on the fringes, people who are most likely to be labeled in society. And 
in this gospel that we're looking at, this beautiful story of, of Christ's life, um, we see how he interacts, but we also see how in this, um, we can kind of see ourselves in the stories, that we kind of do the same thing, that we you know, see ourselves sometimes on the fringes of things, and, and we all use labels. Um, the question is, the gospel calls us to live a life above labels because the gospel transcends all those things. Well, how do we then live a life of above labels. How does that happen? And, and you heard me in my first conversation that I shared there about running. I used some labels, right? Uh, I'm a 50-year-old novice runner. I'm talking to a professional coach, a state champion runner, a young student runner. Like there's all these labels we have. But sometimes labels become limits. In the same way, in the same way it happens in our faith. Oftentimes people think, oh, that's a good Christian. Oh, that's a pastor. Oh, that's a really religious person. And sometimes then we put those labels in there and sometimes they're negative labels like, oh, I'm not that good of a person. I'm not that religious. And we have these labels that we put and it hinders our faith. The question is, how do we, how do we know if we're doing it right? How do we know if we're doing our faith right? Well, that's what we're going to look at today. Jesus uh, enters into the scene in kind of a unique way that Luke encapsulates, but there's a story that happens that will help us see uh, this, this kind of play out in Scripture. So let's take a second to pray, and then let's dig in, all right? Father, I pray that you would uh, use your word, and by your Holy Spirit, teach us something uh, about what it means to really follow you. And we ask that in your Son's name. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're following along in your notes, uh, I'm, I'm trying to answer the question, how do we know if we're doing our faith right? And the first thing I want to share with you is this, is that God broke through to the most unlikely people. In the context, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 8 through 20. But right there before this, this is the traditional Christmas story. Mary and Joseph have to register for a census because, uh, you know, there's been an edict from Rome that they want to know who everyone who's in the kingdom so they can tax them. And it, by law, you have to go and register in your place of birth. So uh, Joseph is taking Mary, who's very pregnant at this point, like she's almost due, and they're going to Bethlehem to travel. They get to Bethlehem and there's no room. Remember? Uh, remember those stories you hear on Christmas Eve services? Uh, there's no room for Jesus. So they had him in a manger out where they, you know, the animals stay. So then, here's what happens next in verse 8. It says this, And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now, just imagine this for a second. Right, So in Bethlehem, this little village, you know, there's some townspeople or village people and, and there's you know, the places and, and there's some light there. But when you get out of town, you know, in the surrounding countrysides, the shepherds would be out there. And they would have pens and uh, they would keep all the sheep in the pen at night. And the shepherd would stay in front of the pen and make sure that nothing gets in to you know, harm any of their sheep. So it's, it's really pitch black out there other than maybe a campfire or maybe a torch or something like that. And the stars, that's it. And then out of nowhere, an angel shows up to these shepherds and the Lord, you know, the glory of the Lord appears to them. And they're like, I mean, can you imagine what that would have been like? You would have been freaked out. But this is what I want you to know. Shepherds were considered the most lowly of all the laborers in Israel, right? They're considered uneducated people. Oftentimes it was kind of like the lowest member of the family was out there taking care of the sheep. They, they raised sheep. Now, the sheep were used for food, the sheep were used for wool, the sheep were used for a temple sacrifice. I mean, this is your job. It's just a, you know, 
a day and night job. You take them out to get food. You take them out to get water. You take care of them. You know, you shear them, all those things. And at night, you protect them. I mean, it's a long job. They were considered to be some of the lowest of any profession in Israel. Some of the shepherds weren't uh, considered, uh, you know, reliable in court. They weren't allowed to go into the temple for worship. So the question you have to ask yourself is this. On a night when God was sending his own son into the world, why not show up to someone else? Why show up to shepherds? Why not show up to like the local pastors, the rabbis, like the teachers of the people? Why not show up to them? Or why not show up to like the chief of all of those guys, the the high priest? Show up to the high priest and let him share the message. Why not show up to Herod? Herod was the appointed king from Rome over Israel. Why not show up to Herod? Why not go further? Why not show up to Caesar himself? That's what we would do. If we're going to announce the birth of the king of kings, let's go to the most uh, influential person. And yet God shows up to shepherds. He breaks through the supernatural world, breaks through the natural world, angels showing up to the most unlikely people, shepherds. I think we have a tendency to kind of label people, right? We have a tendency to kind of look at people and say, well, well, God would show up to that kind of person, right? Maybe a pastor, like Ed, he's a professional, so God might, might talk to him. God might speak to uh, maybe my life group leader, or God might speak to someone like our worship leaders who are writing songs. And so, of course, God has to speak to them through his Holy Spirit. But God's not going to speak to me. Why? Because we label ourselves You know, well, I'm not as disciplined, or I sin too much, or I, whatever. We have these labels, and yet that's not not seen here. God shows up to the most unlikely people. God reaches out. I... um, I want to tell you a quick story. When, when I was in my 20s, uh, my, my brother was my roommate. I was 21 years old. My brother was my roommate. He was full of addiction. He was an alcoholic and, and just struggled far from God. And we lived together for three years, and then we kind of went opposite directions, and he got married, then I got married. Uh, so many years later, I think I was 27 uh, years old, uh, he reached out to me, and he said, hey, I want to talk to you. So I go to meet with him, and, and he had given his life to Christ. He had, uh, his addiction was gone, and he was just following Jesus. And uh, I was just amazed Now, in the years from 21 to 27, God did so much in my life. I led Bible studies for so many people, and and I was growing. I was consuming my Bible and learning so much about God, and and God was changing my life. Like, I was just just growing like a weed. Now, my brother is a brand-new Christian at this point, right? He's just given his life to Christ, and he's growing. I could see it, that God was transforming his life. And I was pretty excited to see how God was doing this in him, in his life. So uh, he was started to go to some church, and uh, he and his wife, and Tammy, my wife and I, thought, hey, maybe we should go check out his church, because he's growing like a weed. Maybe God's got something going on there. And uh, so we decided to go. Now, it was an old, like, uh, mainline, traditional church, uh, traditional dom- denomination church, and, and uh, we thought we'd go. We went, and uh, the pastor looked like Boris Yeltsin. Remember the old president of Russia? Like, so I, I come in and immediately I'm struck by the, the pastor is, looks like Boris Yeltsin. And more so, like, it wasn't really impressive at all. I'm looking around the room and thinking, there's not a lot of life here. There weren't a lot of people and uh, there weren't a lot of young people at all. And uh, there, you know, there weren't a lot of kids. And, and honestly, the, the worship was really kind of old and traditional and and then the guy started preaching, and I'm like, it wasn't really impressive. 
it wasn't really that deep. I, I honestly, I started to question, like, how's my brother growing? So afterward, we started talking. And I said to my brother, and I'm thinking, I said, dude, I said, what do, you, what do you get out of this? And this is what he said to me. Remember, he's a brand new Christian. He said, well, you know what, Eddie? Every time I come, I pray that God will speak to me. And you know what? Every time he does. <laughs> I felt, oh, I felt so stupid. Like, wah, wah, wah. I mean, that's how I felt. Like, I'm the idiot, right? I'm the seasoned Christian now of seven and a half years of growing in Christ. And, and I've got all this wisdom and knowledge. And I know my Bible. And God has, like, transformed my life. And, and I'm the one who should be hearing from God. And yet, here's this brand new Christian who's just come out of a, a tremendous amount of baggage of addiction. And yet, he's growing. Why? Because God, God speaks to those who reach out to him. It says, if you draw near to Christ, he will draw near to you. Second thing is this, is that God broke through the, with the most incredible message. This is what it says, verse 10. It says, now the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So again, imagine you're this, this group of shepherds, you're out there and an angel shows up and the glory of the Lord shows up and, and he gives you this message. The message is this, that there's a baby. You're gonna go to Bethlehem. You're gonna see this baby lying in a manger in these swaddling clothing. These are like little strips of linen. Like he's literally this baby is the Savior, Christ the Lord, the Messiah. Everything that the Jews have been waiting on is now fulfilled in this baby. And the angels all show up and they're singing this praise, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Peace among those in whom God is pleased. God wants peace with, with, with us. That's the message. The Savior is coming. That means for anyone Anyone who, who understands that Christ came into the world to save us from our sin. So anyone who feels like they're far away from God, who feels like, man, I've done too much. I have sinned too much. I need to clean my life up. God wouldn't like me. That's just not true. Jesus is coming in. He's the savior of the world. Anyone who puts their faith in Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection means that anyone could be forgiven of their sin. He is their savior. He is Christ the Lord. This is an incredible message. And he broke through, God broke through to these shepherds to give them this message. Incredible. This, here's what this means. A lot of us think you're too far from God, that uh, you know, God would never speak to me. That's just not true. God wants a relationship with his people. And anyone who draws near to him, he will draw near to them. That when you give your life to Christ, then you learn to discern his voice and he speaks to you through his Holy Spirit and through his word. One of the things that we're doing during this uh, series, we're having everyone read the book of Luke together. We want everyone to create the habit of, of consuming the word of God into their mind. And if you feel like you're far from God, I just want to encourage you to take up the book of Luke at some point in the day, uh, you know, for the next 30 days. But I tell you something else, like for some people who are Christians, uh, sometimes their relationship with God gets kind of stagnant and, and they kind of look at other people and label them. Well, God's not going to speak to them or them or them because they don't do this. And we turn our, the message into one of behaviorism where we're looking at other people and expecting them to behave like we do. 
And if you don't behave like we do, then you're not, you're not close to God. That's not the message. That was not the message that God was conveying here to these shepherds. He was conveying that there's a Savior and there's a, a Christ coming into the world, the Messiah. That's the message that we're supposed to carry. All right, so how do we know we're doing it right, right? God breaks through to unlikely people, so he transcends that label. Uh, he breaks through with a message that is incredible, that all of us you know, who are believers carry that message, the message of the gospel. We share it with people. And let me tell you something, the shepherds actually got it right. Here are these people without the benefit of the Holy Spirit investing in their lives for years, without the uh, benefit of the church or scripture itself, Shepherds get it right. Here's what happens next. Verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered all of what the shepherds told them. But Mary she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for they had heard and seen, and as it had been told to them. This is an interesting statement. I, what I love about Luke is that Luke gives these little details, these like Easter eggs, if you will, uh, to show that this is, this is him researching and recounting a story that happened. He's not making up a story. It's not once upon a time or, or long ago and far away. These, this is an account that actually happened. When he talked about, you know, the, you know when, when Mary and Joseph had to go into Jerusalem or into Bethlehem, he talked about uh, the decree that went out from Caesar Augustus. Like, this is something that you can verify. And in this section, he said, here's what happened. And I love how it says, and Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. This is a conversation he had with Mary, talking with her and those who knew her, talking about how this impacted her. But here's what happened with the shepherds. The angels leave, right? So here they have this moment. They're out in the field, right? And they're maybe sitting in front of the pen or, and all of a sudden an angel shows up and then a whole host of angels show up and then they leave and they're like, let's go. Immediately they go into Bethlehem and then they see what happened. It's like they're investigating the activity of God. God reached out to them and said, look, I'm doing something. And they immediately go to see what God was doing, investigating God's activity. Then what happened? They shared what happened with Mary and Joseph and whoever was there that day. Whatever group of people were there, uh, standing around, they, they told him, an angel showed up and told us, this baby is the Savior, the Christ. I mean, can you imagine? God wants peace with mankind and it's coming through this Savior. And then they go back and what's it say they did? They recounted all that God did and they praised God. They got it right. Do you know what it means to really follow Christ? Because we complicate it. We try to make following Christ into, well, I did my, you know, I spent my time with this and I did this and I did this and I wrote this check and I served here and, and I eliminated these sins and, I did, and we make this out to be, and oh, I've got to have this education and this level of education. I got to read these books. And like, we make this out to be Christianity and all of those things are fine. But you know the essence of what it means to be a Christ follower? It's what the shepherds did. They looked for the activity of God. They drew near to God, looked for his activity. They shared along the way. They shared what God was doing. They shared the incredible message and they simply praised God with their lives. That's really it. 
That's what it means to really follow Christ. That's what it means to get it right with God. See his activity. Reach for God. To share with others along the way and to praise God with your life. I, uh, I think we put these limits and overcomplicate things a lot. And we need to look and simplify it and just follow him. You know, I, I, uh, I have a, a guy in my life who has been a mentor to me over the years. His name is Ken. And uh, Ken's been a pastor and a church planter twice over. Uh, he was a chaplain uh, for years and uh, now he's retired. And I met him before he became a pastor. I was in my late 20s and uh, he's a little bit older than I am. And, and uh, he just started reaching out to me. He was, a, he was a business guy and he had some free time that he would spend with me. And here's what he would do with me. He would hang out. Uh, he would ask me about my life. He would challenge me uh, in my relationship with Christ to keep following him. Sometimes he would give me books to read and we would discuss those. And sometimes he would just pray with me. That was, that was our relationship. And he just started to help me grow in my faith. He was serving in church in this particular ministry, which was kind of a, an opportunity to share the gospel with people. And so he invited me to come be a part of that. And I, and I kind of trained under him for a long time. And, and he kind of taught me how to lead others and, and how to speak publicly. And he just, he just invested in my life. He eventually became a pastor and, uh, you know, went off and served in other places. And we didn't get to see each other all the time. Uh, and, you know, eventually I became a pastor. And then he kind of mentored me as a pastor just as to help me grow in my leadership. And, you know, we went in different directions. I started church planting and, and all of that, and he ended up as a, as a chaplain working with people. He told me one time, he goes, Ed, I share the gospel more now as a chaplain than I ever did as a pastor. And he did that for years, did a lot of funerals, walking with people through the end of their life. And now he's retired, and, and we got to hang out recently, and I was asking him about his life, and here's what he said. He said, you know, I've got a lot more time on my hands, and I don't have anything specific. Uh, and I asked God, what do you want me to do? And he goes, I felt like God impressed me to reach out to my grandson. Now, he's not his real grandson. It's his son's wife's first son from another relationship. So it's not his blood grandson, but he's been, been around this kid a lot, and he's kind of seen as the grandpa of this guy. And he just felt like God said, look, I want you to invest in him. So for the last you know, 18 months or two years, he's been reaching out to his grandson, meeting on a weekly basis. Do you know what he does? Same thing he did with me. Talks to him about life, sharing scripture with him, sometimes giving him books to read, just investing his life. And it's going so well that now his parents actually use it as like a behavioral control. Like, hey, if you don't act right, you won't get, get your time with Grandpa Ken. Like, and it's making a difference in this kid's life. You know, it's easy to think, you know, and I can just imagine, because I've known Ken a long time, but it's easy to think, oh, well, God was using me in my, as my chaplain. You know, I'm doing three services a week and, and seven Bible studies a week, and I'm meeting with many people, sharing the gospel with them on their last chapter. Or maybe during this time when he church planted and pastored, he thinks that's important. Like, and maybe he now would feel like as, a, as someone who's retired, oh, God's not going to use me anymore because I'm, I'm not doing all this. He doesn't think that at all. For him, what it means to be a Christ follower is to look for God's activity, to share with others along the way, and to praise God with his life. That's really it. It's that simple. This is what God wants for us. If you're listening in and you feel like you're far from God, then you draw near to him. And because Christ came into the world, it gives you the opportunity to have your sins completely forgiven. Any, any lack of peace between you and God that sin creates, Jesus Christ came to alleviate that on the cross. You can come to him in faith. If you're a Christ follower, but you feel like, man, I don't know if I'm doing it right. 
I don't know if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know if my relationship with God is strong. I've, I've got these limits in my head that are limiting my ability to grow close to Christ. Let me tell you something. It's really simple. But I'll tell you, the biggest problem that you and I have to face when it comes to following Christ is the same problem that Mary and Joseph found when they went into Bethlehem. There was no room for Jesus. No room. And I think for you and I, one of the biggest issues we have is we don't create any space for Jesus to interact in our life. You know, the angels immediately went to go look for the things that God told them through the angel, to investigate the activity of God. And I think for you and I, we need to create that space in our life. For some of us, that means setting aside time to read scripture, setting aside some time to, you know, to read the Bible, to pray for others, it means it's simply asking God, God, use my life. Help me to notice your activity. Sometimes that's the number one reason. The other one is this, is sometimes we know that God's told us to do something and we just don't do it. We're like, I'm not doing that. I'm too busy. I don't have enough time. I don't have, whatever it is, we have reasons. And we don't create room for God to work in our life. And let me tell you something. When you create room for Christ and you seek him out and you start to follow him and share along the way, God meets you there. And that's where praise erupts. And praise creates even more space for God to continue to act, be active in your life. But I just want to challenge you to create space. You know, we're doing this Bible reading plan uh, over the next month uh, where you can uh, read along in, in Luke. If you're listening online today, go to the, uh, the YouVersion app of the Bible and look for Luke Explained. That's what we're going to be doing. It has the Bible. I mean, you can play it. So it will read it to you. And then you can go to the devotional and play it and it'll read it to you. So if you're driving or if you're working or if you're doing dishes, you can have this thing read to you. You can make time to allow the word of God to really seep into your life on a daily basis. I'm just gonna challenge you to do that along with us as, uh, as we study Luke this, during this term. Let me take a second, let's pray. Wherever you're at, if you're thinking about, you know, I just need to make space, I need to make room for Christ, pray. Talk to God about that. If you know God has asked you to do something, you haven't done it, just pray, ask God to do that. And if you've never given your life to Christ, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I pray that you would work in our lives. Help us to do it right and simply, by simply meeting us where we're at. Lord, help us to recognize your activity in our lives and around us. God, help us to share the truth of who you are. And I pray, God, that you would help us to praise you with our lives. If you're listening and you've never given your life to Christ, you simply say to God, God, I believe in you. I believe you sent your son to come and die on a cross, and I believe he rose from the grave. And just say to Jesus, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I wanna follow you with my life. Help me to do that in faith. Please forgive me. You need to know it's that little posture of your heart that makes you right with God because of what he did on the cross. Father, I pray for all those who are making decisions to follow you. I pray you would meet them this week. Help them to notice your activity in their life. Lord, strengthen them by faith. And we ask that in your son's holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening in today. Until next time, God bless.